read our text today because Jesus has given us everything we need for spiritual security, growth, for being anchored in the cornerstone, for having the direction of our faith and our life right on plumb, straight and true in these verses. Second Peter chapter 1, and I'm reading the first 11 verses out of the new uh, King James Version. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained, who have obtained, like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Do you hear what he says there? He has given us everything that we need to grow in grace. Growing up in, in my household as a child growing up in my father's household, charting personal growth was an important process. I'm just, I'll get back to the scripture in a minute. It was an important process. How many of you had a growth chart in your house? It may have been a doorpost. It may have been a ruler or something where on this particular date you marked where you're at in the process of growth and maturity. And I can remember as a little boy, I always wanted to stand back to back with my father. And there are days you're standing there and you back up against him and his hind end is hitting you in the corner, in the shoulders and you realize I've got a ways to go. And the years unfold and you back up and you stand there and the day comes where you're standing cheek to cheek, head to head, and you think, we're getting there. And then the day comes when you stand and his head hits you a little bit lower on the back of your head and you realize that you've outgrown your father. Growth is healthy. Growth is necessary. In our physical development, we need to experience growth. If there is not growth, then there is something amiss. For those of you who are gardeners or uh, love to uh, arrange flowers and you have many flowers in your home, growth is a sign of healthy flowers. Those of you who are, are farmers, you go out and you sow the seed in the springtime and you begin to look for the growth. You drive by and you check out the field and there you see it, that little blade sticking up. A little while later you see the stalk starting to form. A little while later, you may be out there checking root development. Later on, you're checking for the tassels, and you're checking for the seed and the ear and, and how it's developing. Growth is essential to health. And the same is true in our spirit man, our spirit life. 
And God has given us everything that we need to experience that growth. And in the process of growth, we are escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so we come to verse 5. Peter says, But also, for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours in abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you join me as we pray quickly, please? Father, I pray that in these next few moments that you would assist me in unfolding the things that you have shown me and that what has been shown to me would be profitable to those who hear the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Growth. It is essential. Growth in our spirit is just as important as physical growth. You know, we don't all come to Christ at the same point in time. We all start life at the same point. We start out as babies, don't we? Let me ask a quick question here. How many of you remember the stats when your children were born? How much did they weigh? How tall or how long were they? It's been a long time since my sons were born, but I can tell you today their stats. The first one, 21 and a half inches long, 10.6 pounds. He is a big one. <laughs> Second one, John. 20 and a half inches long. I believe 9.2 pounds. 8.8. 8.8. That was a fish I caught one time. You remember those things. They just, they just cling to your brain. You, you can't, can't forget because we all start at the same point. Now, we don't all grow at the same point. You check, take your child in for that three-month checkup, and they measure it, and they... they statistically tell you where they are at in their development. They are in the 87th percentile weight and, and length. And then you take them in at the six-month point, and you get the statistics again. And then starts the growth chart, and you begin to mark as they can stand upright, and you make note of their growth. We all start as babies. But you know what? Some people came to Christ as toddlers. They opened their heart to Christ 
and, and asked Jesus to come in. And they began their spiritual journey as an infant. Others didn't accept Christ. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum until they are adults, some in their 50th, 60th, 70th, 80th year. But there's a commonality as they start out as infants in their faith. We cannot be content to stay spiritual babies. Just as we would never be content with our, our offspring staying just inches long. Growth is a symbol of health. When we think about spiritual growth, Peter tells us that we all begin at the same point, and we begin with faith. Where does that faith come from? It's a gift of God. Listen to these scriptures that we're so familiar with. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. It comes from God. The apostle Paul asks, how can they hear unless we send the gospel forward? And why is it so important that we send the gospel forward? Because we need faith to believe. The writer of Hebrews says that he who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We begin with faith. We all begin at the same point. God gives us that measure of faith. Romans chapter 12 talks about faith in relationship to the operation of uh, the gifts of the Spirit that are, are given to us for uh, the various things such as encouragement and teaching and administration and giving. In proportion to the measure of faith that you have been given, use your gift. God gives us that faith. That's the beginning point. You are saved through faith. We have all received it. But we can't be content just to stay there. Peter tells us that we add to our faith the following. Add to faith virtue. Now let me just unfold virtue a little bit. It's godly character, it's integrity, it's goodness. Pastor shared with us uh, uh, earlier in the fall a study through the book of Ephesians. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul stresses to the believers at Ephesus is there has to be a transformation. There's a change. If you used to be a, a thief, don't steal anymore. If you used to be a liar, don't lie anymore. If you used to be an adulterer, don't continue to commit adultery. If you used to be a murderer, don't continue murdering people. There's a transformation, there's a change. And the change is we are leaving behind the old man, the old nature, and we are becoming Christ-like. And this is a recipe, if you please. It's a growth chart that I see that as we practice these things, as we add them to our spiritual life, we are maturing and becoming more and more Christ-like. Look at this again. Taking on godly character. Walking in integrity. Showing goodness to those around you. Listen, we live in a world that is so 
petty. There's something base about our nature, the carnal nature, that wants to identify weakness and exploit weakness. There are people who are predators. Some of them sexual predators, but there are others who prey upon people who are simply vulnerable. One of the greatest scams today going around, and it costs senior citizens hundreds of millions of dollars annually, is coming out of Nigeria, the phone scammers. I've had two occasions where people that I knew received a call their grandchild is in prison and in, in, in jail and needs to be bailed out. Can you wire us some money? Hi, Grandma. Do you know who this is? Well, is this Billy? Yes, this is Billy. They get a name by asking an open-ended question. And then they exploit the emotions of that person. Listen. It's a cruel world out there, and we deceive ourselves if we think otherwise. But as Christ followers, we are called to be different from the world. There needs to be a transference, a transformation, a metamorphosis, if you please, as we lay aside that old man and we begin to show the nature of Christ. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. My favorite scripture, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I pray that you don't ever see Dave Rogers. I know him, he's a jerk but I pray you see Jesus in me because Jesus is beautiful. His spirit is beautiful. His integrity is uncompromised. His character, spotless. We are called to be like Christ. You know, the phrase Christian has kind of fallen into uh, some, uh, well, it's, it's not held up very highly anymore. But do you realize that in the scripture at Antioch where the believers were first called Christian, it was a derogatory term too? They mockingly called them little Christ. Well, I can tell you something, there's nothing I desire more than to be like Jesus. And so let us bear the mantle of Christ-like character, Christ-like nature, being Christ-like in all things everywhere we go. And so... Having been given faith, we add to our faith virtue. And to virtue, we add knowledge. I'm going to camp out just a little bit on this one here. We add knowledge. Spiritual understanding. I wrote a blog a number of years ago, and the site that it was posted is no longer up, somewhere out there in wherever, cyberspace, there's this blog that I wrote. And it was a concern that I expressed about the fact that I see believers in our quick, uh, instant gratification society 
not taking the time to dig into the scriptures to come to the knowledge of Christ. As pastors, we are charged with the responsibility of nurturing congregations, training them up in the scripture so that they're not carried around by every wind of doctrine, but they come to the full measure and maturity of Christ. But what concerns me is people with the press of time and all of the distractions there are, have abandoned the discipline of getting into the Scripture, of studying the Scripture for themselves. And so what they do is they listen to others digest it for them. They have others who chew the meat up and disseminate it to them. And they themselves don't have knowledge, spiritual knowledge, of what the Scripture says they can only parrot what someone has told them the scripture says. The believers at Berea were, by the writer of, of uh, the book of Acts, held up as examples. Because when the apostles came on their missionary journey and declared Christ to them from the scriptures, and that would have been from the Hebraic scriptures, they went home and they read it for themselves. They dug in. They wanted to know, does it really say that? And when it was confirmed that that's what the Scripture says, they were transformed. We need to be like the Bereans, taking the time to grow in knowledge, to grow in spiritual understanding of the Word. Not simply taking it because Pastor John said it or because I said it, or because Jacob said it. Jesus said it. If Jesus said it, that settles it for me. I'm good with it. How about you? To spiritual knowledge, spiritual understanding, we add temperance, self-control. Again, in our society of instant gratification, Self-control has taken a real hit. A huge hit. Paul wrote in his letter to Timothy, and he says, this gospel that brings salvation has appeared to us, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. We can say no. Now, I'm going to date myself really bad here, and I apologize to everybody who was born uh, 1985 and beyond. But how many of you remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. That was his little catch line, and, and oh, was he popular. The devil made me do it. We are tempted, but we, and we are enticed, but we are drawn away by our own lusts. We have the power to say no. It comes to us through Jesus Christ. There's no temptation that has taken you, but it's common to everyone. You may be sitting here today and thinking that you're the only one struggling with a particular thing, and I can guarantee you that there are people sitting here today. There's probably somebody standing up in front of you today who struggles with the same temptations that you struggle with. But God is faithful to provide a way of escape from whatever temptations come our way. We have to be willing to walk 
in his way, though. We have to be willing to say no. We have to be willing to experience and exercise self-control and discipline to these virtues that we've talked about here, these characteristics, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, we now add perseverance. In a word, patience. How many of you have patience? How many of you have ever prayed for patience? How many of you ever realized that was a huge mistake? Yes, Lord, give us patience. Help us grow in patience. Trials produce patience. And so I don't ask God for patience, but I try to exercise patience. Now, I have some areas that I'm not very patient in. I, I, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I have it all together, because I don't. And patience is one of those things. And my wife tells me that every time I step into a vehicle and I wrap myself in two tons of steel, I become 10 foot tall and bulletproof. <laughs> One of my favorite expressions, it's the skinny pedal on the right. <laughs> it's the accelerator, okay? Oh, I, I just, I struggle with this. And, and there have been times where self has gotten in the way and my wife has gently nudged me. As well, one time in particular, we, we were sitting at a stoplight and I'm in the lane and the, the right lane ends. And there's a guardrail up there. And the traffic is flowing into the left lane because everybody knows the right lane ends. And this guy comes roaring up there right beside me in that right lane because his time is more important than my time. He's got some place he needs to be quicker than I need to be. And so my spidey senses were all in tune. I knew that when that light changed, he was going to try to beat me to the merge point. Ten foot tall and bulletproof. Guess who's not going to let that happen? And that light changed. Brian, I was quicker than you off the mark. I took off. Pooh! And he's right beside me. We're going through the gears. He's running out of space. And I am gloating so big. Got him. And Dana said, what are you going to do if he walks into church tomorrow? <laughs> Would he see a servant of Christ up there sharing, or would he see some demonic, <laughs> glee-filled goon driving a vehicle? And so I yielded, and I let him in. Patience. It's hard. And again, we can blame it on instant gratification. We can blame it on a lot of things, but you know what it comes down to? Selfishness. Simple selfishness. 
And God is dealing with me on this. And, and I'd like to say that we're well on the journey, but yeah, we have setbacks quite frequently. But God is so good to continue to give us opportunities to grow in this grace. To perseverance or patience, we add godliness. And let's just call that reverent wonder. I hope that we, even though we enjoy this wonderful benefit of relationship with Christ, we can call him Abba Father, Dear Daddy, and there, there's a, a tenderness and an openness and an intimacy in our relationship with him that we never lose sight of the wonder and the glory of who he is. As we were singing the song today, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Tears began to flow down my cheek because of who Christ is. May we never lose the wonder and the glory of Jesus. As we go into the Christmas season and we begin to celebrate the birth of the child, the infant, Son of God, may we not lose sight of our Savior hanging on the cross for us, giving his life for us. And may we always have that sense of splendor and awe, reverent wonder, godliness. Now to these things, Peter said to the believers, add brotherly kindness, brotherly love. You know, some of the most difficult people to love are family. They know you so well and you know them so well. You know their frailties, their weak points, their vulnerabilities. You know their secrets. You know their struggles. You know where all the hot buttons are and so do they. Any of you come from a family where those dynamics are a little bit too present? And we are called to love our brother. The Greek word is phileo. That's the root word for a city in Pennsylvania. It's called Philadelphia. And it's the city of what? Brotherly love. We are called to love our brothers. Jesus was asked the question once, who's my neighbor? And he told the parable of the good Samaritan. But may I suggest to you today that your brother is not that person or your sister is not that person who shares the same genetic material as you, but it's that person who lives next door to you, that person that you work with on a daily basis, that person who rubs you the wrong way, that person who, who just knows how to jerk your chain, and Jesus is calling you to love them. When I was in college, I worked with a guy, and there was just something about him. He and I were like oil and water. We just could not get along. We couldn't mix. And I had gotten him hired where I worked. I happened to work for United Parcel Service in one of their uh, big sort facilities, 
And uh, my position was, was one that I had worked hard to earn and uh, in a, a role that was above his. And one day he was telling me how to do my job. And I suggested that he didn't know what he was talking about and just to do his job. And he turned to me and he says, it's a good thing God can use a donkey. <laughs> Brotherly love. Brotherly love. Brotherly love. And I had a perfect retort to him. Oh, I was going to set him straight. And I just felt that little nudge of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are familiar with that nudge? <laughs> David, don't do it. And I just looked at him and I says, his name was David too. I says, David, isn't it wonderful God can use both of us? And I went on to work and the Lord just kind of gave me a little nudge on my back and he says, attaboy, attaboy. Brotherly love, and by the way, I came to love him. Years later I was in ministry and he was coming through town and he sought me out and we spent several hours together in beautiful fellowship and prayer. God calls us to brotherly love. Brotherly love is warm friendliness. Don't, don't allow your faith to become a hindrance in relationship. I grew up in a community in Waterloo, Iowa, back in the 60s, and there was a real division between the Protestants and the Catholics. And the family that lived next door to us was a Catholic family. Joe, their son, was my age, and we weren't allowed to play together. The only thing separating their house was a driveway about as wide as this, this front pew and a grass strip, about as wide as that aisle. But the Rogers and the Shooknecks didn't play together. Because of faith. Oh, listen. And it wasn't our faith, by the way. Times have changed somewhat. But don't ever allow your faith to keep you from those who are unbelievers. From those who don't believe like you. We are called to be light. We are called to be salt. We cannot be effective unless we move among them. Jesus prayed for his disciples in John 17, and he says, Father, I'm sending them into the world, but keep the world out of them. That's our place, moving among those who have greatest need, showing them Christ in us with warm friendliness. And then he says, add to this, add to this, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, perseverance, godliness, and brotherly kindness, add love, generous love, agape love, love that seeks the other person's highest good and does not consider the cost to themselves too great a cost. That's what we are called to do. Now, as these characteristics grow in our lives, we become progressively more like Jesus. And the more like Jesus we become, the less like our old selves we want to be. Now, I want to say something here because I don't want to leave the impression that you've got to work on, on 
one item until you get it before you move on to the other. You can work on all of these at the same time. As we grow, we should be able to chart or recognize in our spiritual development that something good is happening, that we are growing in Christ's likeness. And if we find ourselves struggling at any of these points, that's a time for us to get alone with God and say, hey, Lord, I'm having a struggle here with my patience today. And I know I said don't ask for it, but ask him for help. He'll give you patience. Lord, I'm having a little time or a little struggle being like you in given situations. Lord, will you help me? And he'll give you opportunity. Lord, I'm having trouble loving a brother. Why don't you make this your prayer? Change my heart, Lord, instead of change their heart. Yield yourself to him. Let him work in you. You see, when we don't grow in these graces, when we act out of our old nature, it's the old nature that's being seen. People will ask a question, and, and this question just triggers something in me that, that just irritates me. You call yourself a Christian? By the way, have you ever noticed people in the world have an expectation of how a Christian should behave and what they should do, and when you fail to measure up, they're the first ones to point it out. Value their words, but don't let them judge you. Only one person is qualified to judge, and that's Jesus. But if you feel a prompting, if you feel a stirring, say, Lord, change my heart. Here's a growth opportunity for me. Because we come back to the Scripture, and it says that, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. What is he looking for in the branches? Fruitfulness. Psalm 1, the one who doesn't spend his time walking in the way of sinner, standing with them or sitting with them, but meditates on the word of God is like a tree planted by rivers of water. It's fruitful. Let us be fruitful in our faith. Let us be fruitful in our Christ-likeness. Let us be fruitful because we will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When these things abide in us, we are going to be fruitful. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten what he was cleansed of from his old sins. Therefore, be diligent to make your calling and election sure, for you do these things. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Lord, help us to run the race with diligence. Help us to be mature, not only physically, but spiritually as well. When people see us, may they see Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, our deepest desire today is that Jesus would be seen in us. Daily, Lord, we are going through a growth process. And even as the Apostle Paul said, we have not yet arrived we continue to press on toward the mark 
We may have been following you and in your way for decades, but Lord, we understand there's still more to do. May we have that urgency, that passion of heart, even as the Apostle Paul had in Philippians 3, where he declared in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, his suffering, and his death. Lord, may we be passionate about knowing Jesus even more. May we never be content to maintain a spiritual status quo, but may we desire to excel in Christ-likeness, I pray. Lord, I pray for anyone who's struggling today. Those who, who maybe are dealing with a temptation that is just holding them down, a besetting sin that seems to have dominated them for years and years. Lord, I pray that you would break the yoke, that you would break the chains that bind, and that you would set them free. And Lord, that we would together grow and that the grace of Jesus would be more and more evident, that his love would flow from us to those around us. Help us to be light. Help us to be salt. Help us to be Christ to a sick and dying world, I pray in Jesus' name.